All right, guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever podcast. We have a really good one here for you today. Um, I'm super excited to be doing this one. I've got Pat Colby with me here, um, and we have a really good guest today. Um, our guest is Coot from Coot's Lures, and he does have a real name, but nobody knows it. Um, and he told me to say that, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we are here today with Paul, a.k.a. Coot. Um, Paul, how are you doing? Well, pretty good besides the heat. It's pretty hot out there in the boat, that's for sure. Yeah, you said before we got going here you were out there today. Yeah, we're out on the Bay of Green Bay. A couple of good friends of mine went out there. I got to kind of pre-fish for a tournament on Sunday for a Sheboygan Walleye Club. So we'll be launching out of Little Surgeon Bay. And we were down by Gano's. And uh, we had uh, six walleyes. The biggest was 25 and a half. Threw a bunch back. And then uh, we started up catching monster sheephead and catfish. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, put up a, a decent no, fight for you, but I don't know, in in the heat, as bad as it was today, I don't know if you were looking for a fight. Well, that's for sure. I kept sit, I sat in a live well twice, just to try cooling off. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure glad ZV21 made them big enough so I could almost sit in it. <laughs> oh, man, I've never heard of that one before, but I might have to try that out sometime. Yeah, I might have to mix some brand new old fashions up so I got it for a cocktail. You know, it's kind of like uh, at the cabana there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my god! So I guess I'll be looking, looking forward to seeing that in your next video soon. That's uh, it's out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> my son is an awesome person for social media. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even be doing half this stuff. It's just unbelievable how talented my son is in doing all this process. Uh, getting all my videos out there and pictures and all that kind of good stuff. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess we could kind of start um, just by maybe if you want to tell us a little bit about your background so that everybody kind of gets to gets to know a little bit about you. Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and then uh, I was uh, by trade a welder, fabricator, and that kind of stuff. And a friend of mine got me into uh, fire science, firefighting. So I went to school for two years. And then two years after that, I got a job, my first job in Jackson, Michigan. And I worked there 13 months. And then all of a sudden, Appleton, Wisconsin called me. So I ended up working 28 years there. And I retired six years ago from firefighting. And then I've had Coots Lure since 2004. So next year will be 20 years celebrating Coots Lure. So we got a lot of neat stuff coming for next year. Uh, hopefully everybody will have a look at it. Uh, just follow Coots Lures on all the social media stuff. And what I ask for people is instead of using the thumbs up, the like button, hit the heart button. It changes the algorithms big time. It's helped us a lot with all our promoting the stuff and, and other people's products I help promote for them. Oh, wow. That's really good to know. I, I didn't even know about that. So that's mm -hmm. a... Either. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good little tip there so yeah everybody make sure to to do that um to help everybody out on on youtube and i do want to say congratulations on on 20 years that's a, a pretty big milestone there it is it's been pretty crazy and and all the inventions i've uh, come up with people actually bought and used and, and you know that's what puts a smile on my face i invented something and somebody else's buying it and, and they like using it it's just crazy 
that's that's the crazy part right everybody's got their little things they come up with but then when somebody actually wants to buy it and then you can make something out of it it's like holy cow yeah and my son he designed our uh kusler shirts and we just coming out with a new color on you'll see that in the next day or two it's uh kind of a whitish gray and very neat looking shirt and i've got uh compliments that i got ordered already that want them and i only got so many to start out to see how it goes but uh my troll rods have been taking off the last three years, sold 2,100. I got 1,300 coming in uh, December. Uh, I can't keep the damn things in stock. It's just crazy. Hey, that's not a bad problem to have. Good no, problem. no, it's yeah, yeah. cool, you know, and I try to listen to them, all my customers, like the seven-foot uh, rods that came out with one piece, uh, medium and medium light, the Ohio people, the fishermen over there like one-piece rods we come to wisconsin they'll like uh the telescopic ones but the seven foot i've been using the medium light for a year now and i've been having such a ball catching big fish on that one piece rod for trolling it's crazy huh so before we get too far down the line here i i do have to know um where did your nickname coot come from that, that, that's the number one question when the people do podcasts with me <laughs> <laughs> hey my dad hunted mudhens or coots Okay, and I started growing up with uh, my dad grow- shooting coots and mud hens in uh, the Bay of uh, Asylum Bay in Oshkosh. Well, they shut that down because uh, all the housing came about in that. So in 1975, we started hunting uh, Endeavor, I should say, Endeavor, Wisconsin, which is Buffalo Lake. And the DNR estimated 3 million coots on this lake. So we said, yeah, okay, I don't believe that. So we go down there opening day. And this lake is just black, full of mud dents. We hunted over 10 years down there shooting mud dents. Everybody says, how can you stand eating those things? I said, well, I was born and raised on them. I says, I'd rather have a mud hen right now versus a steak. And they all look at me like that. Yeah, you're crazy as a coot, I guess. <laughs> wow. Sure enough, so that's the name came about. <laughs> yep, so it ends up being coot, coot man, cooter. All right, so... <laughs> Nice. So I, I got to ask this, though. Uh, I've been following you on, on, you know, social media for a long time. And to me, it's crazy. Uh, you're fishing on Winnebago, then you're on Green Bay, then you're on Erie, then you're on Bago, Green Bay, then you're installing a pool in your yard, having a party like, do you ever sleep? And, uh, and, and who keeps your schedule? And how do you because it seems like you're just on the go constantly all over the place um and for someone that's retired it certainly seems like you're taking full advantage of all your time well you know i guess you can call me a type a person i'm always on the go my nickname at work was balls to the walls i've always <laughs> when I start taking on a project i finish it i get it done as fast and quick as i can and all that kind of stuff uh i like to stay busy uh, my wife is also busy with me doing projects around the house and we like traveling and all that kind of stuff and to me, this is what retirement's all about, recapturing uh, life and doing what you want. Because when I worked at the firehouse, one-third of my life was sitting at the firehouse. And I had to deal with other people's stuff all the time. And our motto was at the firehouse, how can we make this person's uh, day better by having them have an accident or an injury or something like that? So I was trained to sit, you know, take on the challenge, uh, figure out what you got to do best for that person, and just go with it. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, just seeing how active you are in all, all the different places you are and busy, it just certainly seems like you're living life to the fullest, that's for sure. So, 
That's yeah, awesome. Because you never know what's going to happen the next 10 minutes. I oh, exactly. Life changes in seconds real quick. Yep. Yep. That's a great philosophy on life right there. So, I work uh, hard and I hard. <laughs> nice. So you've got a, you've got a, on Facebook, I, I've noticed you're really creeping in, I think, on like the 100,000 followers, I think. Yeah, um, this weekend already. And uh, yeah, this weekend. And I think you're on YouTube and TikTok and all these other social media platforms. What, whatever prompted you to get started and sharing all your experiences and adventures uh, That's out there? <laughs> That's my son. He's a, he's a, a fitness coordinator, strength conditioning coach. He runs uh, Indie <laughs> Fitness Store, Stool and Wolf Pond and uh, Riffin, and he's really good with all the computer stuff. He knows a lot about that stuff from being down in Alabama where he's getting his master's down in business, sports business. And uh, he just started putting me out there, and, you know, I said, if you want content, I'll give you content. I'll give you bloopers. I'll get you bloopers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, like, it's, I, I want to be informational for people and also have fun with it, you know. And there's so many people that bash me for so many things, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> You're going to play Monday Night Quarterback here on me or something? Just go out and do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you're putting yourself out on social media, you have to have a little bit of thick skin. You can't let yeah, yeah, the, a the big, uh, thick skin and a big backbone. <laughs> yep, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but it's so funny to read some of these comments, you know. And and that one video that we did, my son gathered all the bad things that people said about me, and I made comments back to him and all that. And that went over pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, I I so. just watched that one the other day. I I liked that one. I thought that was a a good way of dealing with some of those comments that come through that are just like kind of head scratchers. Like, really, man? What I mean, really? You're gonna comment that? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You know, I had a really funny one. I'm out in uh, South Dakota doing an ice show for HT a couple of years ago, and a guy comes up to me. And he's looking at the ice shelters that HT's got, and he says. What is the difference between insulated and non-insulated tents? I thought, oh, that took me back for a second. Oh, $200 and 40 degrees, I said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's some uh, interesting people out there. Yeah, for sure. So your your following is is obviously super impressive, um, and it kind of spans across the country. I mean – um, you know, for sure in the Midwest, we see pictures all the time of people that are, um, sporting your, your gear. Um, you, you see it in pictures popping up people with your merch and everything, obviously. So what has that been like for you to see that support and that following grow over the years? Well, I got to compliment my wife and my son because, uh, my wife kind of manages the clothing apparel for us and my son designed the shirt. He says, we need to brand you. So that's what we did. Branded the coot face, a, a logo on the front shirt. And I all say, let's go fishing. So we put that on the back of it. And then uh, my wife says, gets all the order. We're on our fifth order of clothes already this year. This is how crazy it's been getting. If people see that shirt. I had one guy from Georgia. And he says, I want all three. I want the short sleeve, the long sleeve, and the hoodie. I says, may I ask why? He says, I've never seen a coot on a shirt. And I love green. <laughs> you know it's just it's just fun and i'm down in florida this past march i'm filling up keith tobias's boat on uh by a, uh, a gas station also i cool i turn a look and say hey 
And the guy says, I watch you on TikTok. I love them. They're awesome. Like, right out of the blue, someone's mentioned me down there. It's just crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, not your brand, Kutzler, is not just the brand or a following, but, you know, you actually probably got started um, developing the, the crankbaits and fishing gadgets and stuff. How did that all get started? Like, what was your first ever um, invention, per se? You've touched on a couple of them already, but what was the very first thing that got you going into the fishing equipment side of things? Uh, that one started in 2000. I had a guy named Mark Wazdella. He fished the... Uh, uh, um, um, not the end of but the one before that. Um, I forgot to know what they called it. You know, um, help me out here. <laughs> was, that the, was that the PWT? PWT. So he's over here staying at my house, and he showed me all week how he pulls crawler harnesses on Saginaw Bay. So he's got a five-foot leader. He's got the crawler harness. Then he uses a flutter spoon five feet above the harness. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, I was watching this stuff, and we get a lot of bites, but no no catching fish. Well, I'm figuring out, they're hitting a damn spoon before the harness. So I'm thinking, I'm going to try something like this. So I started out with my kit, called the Coot 1, Coot 2, two different kits, and each kit had something unique about that kit. And the Coot 1 had colored flutter spoons. Uh, there was two sizes, six of them. I had six spinner blades, fives and threes five bead assemblies, three hook assemblies, three treble hooks in there. And with this kit, I had a schematic on the back. There's seven ways that you can design this lure. And the kit also made over a thousand different lures with all the color schemes on it. So I, I designed this kit that came out in 2004. I hit the Green Bay Sports Show when it was going. And by the end of the third day, I pretty much sold out of them and I was hoarse. I had to talk about my whole system because it was so unique. And it was all interchangeable. So you could keep your worm on your hook harness, change the bead colors to whatever you wanted, and same with the spinner blades or add the, the flutter spoon to it. So it was really out there and different, but I was catching fish. And I said, I got to get other people to look at this, you know, because when you start looking at tying up harnesses, you're spending all kinds of money. And most of the time, these harnesses were only lasting like three or four fish. They break and you lose everything. And I was using stainless steel for the leader that had a nylon coating called Twist Weld. It was very strong and durable. And then the uh, the bead assembly had stainless steel wires on it. So it wasn't really light, but it wasn't really heavy either. But it was more durable than anything else out there. And then, sure. I, okay, so that was a cool one and cool two kit. Then 2007, I came out with the rattling worm harness. So I approached Keith Tobias about it. And he was kind of intrigued on it. So he took me up to uh, Beta Knock. We fished up there using it. And he took fourth place using my stuff. I said, holy God, unbelievable. I got the, a pro using my stuff, and he's making money on it. So the next year, 2008, I'm up there with the gang again, the Parsons, Parsons, and Tobias. And we were pulling harnesses. We couldn't get nothing. So I told Gary I was fishing with him. I said, let me try something different for you. So we, he wanted to switch over to cranks. So we're using the 800 series reef runners. So I took the back treble hook off. And I put on my hook harness with a full crawler. He's looking at this thing and I'm building in his boat. And he says, what the hell is that? I says, I do this on a pickle and it works, you know? He says, all right, go ahead and put it out there. So I put it out there. No more than 10 minutes. We got a 12 pound wall. I went, oh my God, this thing is huge. 
We caught we caught six walleyes for over sixty pounds within a half an hour. You cannot believe it. So I had to, we came back in. I had to make up all these hook harnesses for Keith, Chase, and Gary. And the all three cash a check. Gary should have won the tournament, but he couldn't catch a slot fish because the slot fish was like 15, 18 inches. Everything he yep. had was to 10 pounds. So he took this Jeez. place. So right then and there, the guy said, you're going to be with us a long time. You, you, you're making us money. That I thought was pretty cool. That's then, a pretty good story. Uh, right there. Then uh, 2008, I was out in the uh, devil. I mean, um, South Dakota Mobridge, uh, fishing the NCC out there, and uh, that's where the slow deaths came from. And I was with Chase Parsons out there learning about the slow death. And then two weeks later, I had to go out there for the NCC tournament. So I designed the flutter spoon with slow death, and I did okay out there, but didn't win no money here. But it worked really good pulling through the trees because everybody was pulling cranks, and they kept losing crankbaits a lot. So I started doing the slow death thing. I brought it back to Wisconsin. I hooked up with Tommy Harris in 2010. He came out, and uh, I told him I couldn't afford doing the, the stuff. I said, I'll give you the rights to it uh, just as long as I'm named that I designed the thing for you. So he ended up calling it Spoon DeVille. And, boy, did he sell a lot of those things. And that's where kind of some of the guys copycats the, uh, the worm burner came from. They took a hook harness and put it behind a flutter spoon. Well, I did that in 2004 already. And also I got a lot of copycat people out there chasing down my stuff. I had never gotten a patent on my stuff because I didn't really want to afford uh, patent fees and attorney fees because all you're doing is fighting other people that want to copy your bait and it's doing the same thing. So I didn't yep. do that. And then uh, 2012, I was in China with uh, Paul Grohl to do a fishing show there. Awesome time. I felt like uh, everybody wanted my picture for some reason. I don't know if they thought I was a, a, a sumo wrestler or what, but <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah. So I bought another uh, a crankbait builder there, and I had a Selma with me. So I said, can you kind of copy this? But I did some changes on it because I didn't want to infringe on the Selma guy. So he got it going on there and it was working. But every time I caught fish on it, the paint would chip. And I would tell him, I says, you can't have the paint chip. Otherwise, people won't buy the lures. He said, well, I need an order of 10,000 lures. I says, no, it's not going to happen because you can't sell them if they chip. So I ended up meeting uh, James Hallsworth out of Vexen uh, Tackle Industries. He took me on as his walleye guy about rods, reels, and uh he wanted the Radlin Wasp. That's what I named it because I says, well, you got the Selma Horton, now you got the Radlin Wasp. And when that came out in 2016, the guy from Poland that owned Selma called me up. He says, you know, you copied my bait. I says, oh, and then I made it better, and he hung up on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So then uh, James Keller came along, and uh, he helped me start the Radlin Wasp with the, the real shot. He bought all 30,000 lures. He wanted exclusive rights to it. I said, oh, I guess I'm done shopping now for a year. And he did very well on it. He also used them in tournaments, passion checks on it. So that's where the rattling wasp started. Uh, as soon as I got done with the wasp, I came out with my Firefly painter board lights. So, um, uh, the green and orange ones. So we got port and starboard. And uh, the worst thing on a battery is what? Cold. 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 What happens to batteries, it dies. Well, this battery that we found, I actually put it in my freezer, turned it on my Firefly lights, and lasted for 52 days. Like, <laughs> holy crap, this is a good battery. 
So I put $200 plus on it. Now I got guys buying my firefly lights to actually use for tip-ups at nighttime fishing now for ice. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and the beer right there. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Then after the firefly, I came up with the Magneto. This is a system where I was using a offshore black clip and a zip tie on my landing net. So when the fish would get in the net, it would pop off. I said, I got to come up with some better idea. And the, one of the owners of HT says, well, what would you do different? I says, it's got to be simple and easy. I said, what about magnets? So we started the magnet search, and I ended up using a four-pound full magnet system on there. And that's been a hot seller. Last year, I sold 3,000 of those things. It was crazy. I got a couple um, of them. <laughs> yeah. Then after the, uh, as I was doing the Magneto, I was talking to HT. I wanted to design my own trolling rod because I, everything I design is something I want to make better and cheaper, but not cheap-wise, but I want it affordable so people could use it to fish. So that's why I came up with my trolling rods. I started out with the 8-foot telescopic and the 8-foot 6 telescopic. And once those start taking off, I says, I'm going to get some seven-footers because the Lake Erie guys want those rods. So once I started bringing those in, all of a sudden, I'm <laughs> well, the first order was like 200 and something like that. No problem. I sold a week. So I doubled the order, went to 500. They were gone in two weeks. Now I ordered 1,000 last year, and they were gone in eight months. And now I'm ordering 1,300 of them. Hopefully, that'll take me through next uh, season because I will be over Lake Erie again for six weeks from uh, April 21st to uh, June 1st. And my last yeah. event will be out in December. I have an ice fishing tip-up. I'm coming out with HT, and that will be debuted at the St. Paul Ice Show in the uh, first weekend in January. And I will also be here in Oshkosh at the uh, second weekend their ice show so you guys will be able to see it then too yeah very nice awesome awesome we'll be working that ice fishing show with our i'm sure the teams will all be working there so uh, yeah. looking forward to that one for sure that's an awesome line of products and kind of pretty cool how it all came to fruition over the years um yeah well so it sounds like a lot of those ideas just came off of you being a fisherman and you know experiencing different problems out there or different things where you kind of decided like oh maybe this could be a little bit better and then you just kind of figured out how to do it right right and a lot of you know being at the firehouse we had a lot of downtime so i watched a lot of different fishing shows like okay how are they videotaping why are they videotaping like that and different products he was using. I thought, you know, I, I said, I can do that stuff a lot better and cheaper probably and all that kind of stuff. So that's how it all snowballed effect on it. And with the you know, uh, availability of these great cell phones we have now, holy God, it just makes it a lot easier. Right. So at this point now, like, what is your, what, what would you describe as being your purpose for the things that you come up with and, you know, the, the, the business that you have in general, what is, is kind of your, your purpose or your meaning behind all of that? I want to make products at affordable rates for people and great quality. Uh, if you have that, also uh, excel in, I, I believe, in people, um, uh, general service. If there's something wrong with a product, I tell them I want to know about it right away. I want to correct it. If something 
is wrong with it or if you used it wrong, I want to correct that, all that kind of stuff. Because when you spend all this time and money to go fishing on the lake, it, you know, it could consume you. And if you can't catch fish, I want to make you help or help you catch fish. Yeah, 100%. I, I know that's super valuable when you have, um, you know, just a company that you, you buy something from who, that actually cares about you as a customer and your experience mm-hmm. and, you know, valuing what your customers are, are saying um, from a customer's perspective. It obviously makes it much easier to support that company and trust that company, um, just knowing that right. they're not going to get left behind and they're not buying something that, you know, they know isn't going to work and, and whatever. So that's definitely a, a very good attribute that you've got there. Right. And I do have the Firefly and Fleet Farm. I, you know, I was so overjoyed when that went in there. And, the, like, the first three years, they kept getting sold out. And, you know, it was just crazy. Now I'm having a little technical issue with some of the sizing and certain things. And I'm actually going to be talking to a plastic mold injector next week that lives in Milwaukee. And if I could have that made in the United States, I'm definitely going to try to do it. But, you know, costs overseas is a lot cheaper and all that kind of stuff. You know, I... It's 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 sad for me that I have to do that. As much as I'd like to see made in USA on the on my products, you know, but it's all it's business is what it is. Bottom dollar. So, because mm-hmm. even the made Necro, that only retails for ten bucks. If I had that made in the United States, you're looking at almost thirty dollars a retailer. Hmm. Yeah. So. Right, and like you said, I mean, you you want it to be affordable for the average fisherman so that they can buy quality products that, that they can actually afford and, and use to help them out. So that's definitely an understandable situation there. Right. Right. Yeah. I've had guys want me to design jig rods. I says that field I will not touch because there's so many guys that make jig rods and all that kind of stuff. But my niche, I'm a troller. I love trolling. I have fun doing it. And that's why I designed my own rods the way I wanted them, how they should work, and functionality. And like today, I, I had a guy in my boat. I haven't had him for years in my boat. We fished a lot of tournaments, and he just fell in love with that seven-foot medium light. He could not believe how strong that was, holding up these big sheep head and tadpoles up there. So your your process then, a lot of times it sounds like it's kind of problem solution based. Um, do you have other things kind of in the works right now, or is it something where you just go fishing and then as problems arise, you kind of go from there and get an idea and, and see if it turns into something? Yeah, my wheels are always turning because two years ago on this next uh, tip-up phase system that I got going with HT, they wanted to put it on the market last year. I said, no. This will be tested by our HT Pro staff for one year winter-wise, and so I can get some feedback. Is I need feedback of pluses and minuses, so then I can tweak it and figure out what they didn't like, what they like, all that kind of stuff. Because to me, if you don't R&D something long enough and you get it to the public and something goes wrong, you'll never recoup that at all, never. So I'm very fussy on when I put out stuff. I says, if it ain't right, I'm not buying it, so forget it. Yeah, for sure. I know we we try to do a, a similar thing. Um, we're kind of going through that right now. Actually, we we have we we do sell some t-shirts and hoodies and and hats and things, and that's been something that we've learned along the way. Um, 
like trying to figure out, you know, okay, we designed this thing, but then how is it going to look and can we get samples on it and tweak things and make sure that everything's going to be perfect before we put it out there. Um, just because we, we care so much that the end result is what we want it to be and it's going to be good for people. Um, so for sure that, that research and development is a, a huge thing. And right now we're kind of in, in the middle of it. Um, the samples we got back on our, on our latest project were not super promising. So we're going to have to go back to the drawing board there. So I'm kind of curious, how many times have you designed something and then had to tweak it and go back to the drawing board? Like how many times do you adjust something before it finally hits the market? Well, the Magneto took me two years. Wow. Because because of the, uh, well, first you look at a landing net. How many types of different landing nets are out there? How do I attach my system to that landing net? How does it function on that landing net? Is it rubber? Is it nylon? Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, then you have to kind of worry about the, hopefully the intelligence of a person using it because when you put on a magnet go on a net, there's two a, a, a right way and a wrong way. The right way is you have to have the D-ring uh, towards the shaft because when you have it towards the shaft, the magnet clips onto it onto the net, which is goes forward, and that's how it cinches on a pure aluminum uh, landing net because it, then it won't slide. But if you do it the opposite way, the magnet go will slide right down to the net. So I try to incorporate that into my filming and show people the proper way. And it's a lot of great compliments coming back. Uh, like two years ago, I think it was, the the, the Holses landed the biggest walleye of the tournament because of the main net goal. The first swipe at the fish, he missed it. The net stayed in position so he could go at it again, and he got it in the net. You know, that was huge. That made the Badger sportsman and all for me. So it's little things like that. With I'm a guy... I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. That's what I like. I just had a call from Mike, Mike the docket guy. He wants me to try using his product and, and you know pump him up in that. I said, sure. I'll, I don't have a problem using your product. I just first I got to believe in it, make sure it works before I put my name behind it. So. Yeah, that's what we've always said too. Is like any product that we would ever talk about or endorse per se, it's we we'd have to believe in it and use it ourselves first. So. Mm -hmm. um, yep. <clears throat> certainly like that i want to take you all the way back to like the beginning um of your fishing career per se like when at what age did you start fishing did you grow up in a fishing family or like who were some of your fishing mentors uh growing up as a kid and how'd you ever get into the whole fishing world well i lived on the north side of oshkosh so i was very close to a channel and as probably 12 13 years old we had bullhead contests I won the bullhead contest for that month. Uh, I love fishing on the bank, just watching that tip at night, watching it. Hopefully a big bullhead would bite. So I kind of started there. And then I got into high school. I had a couple buddies, you know, we didn't really, well, my dad had a 14 foot boat. So when I got my driver's license, I could actually take the boat out there, that kind of stuff. Um, progressing to tournament wise, I think it was 1980. I got in the very first Otter Street tournament cost me $30. I got a hat out of it. And I had to fish with someone I didn't know because it was draw partner. First day you, you decide who uses what boat and the second day you use the other guy's boat. So that was very 
different and unique uh, system they had there. So, but then I got into uh, work welding wise, didn't have much time except for weekends. You know, I was playing three nights of baseball. Uh, in the wintertime was three nights of bowling. And then I got uh, to a point in 1984, I decided to go back to the school to get my fire science degree. So I was pretty consumed in that. Uh, I got my first uh, EMT job as Oshkosh Ambulance. Then I got the phone call from Jackson, Michigan in 1988. So I really didn't get to fish much over in Michigan. I was, you know, being firefighters, uh, being there uh, overtime a lot because it was a small town of 40,000, three fire stations. And then in 89, I got hired in Appleton. And just starting out with a family, didn't have much time. But my first boat was a 19-foot Spectrum uh, Deep V, uh, bluefin with a 150 Merc on it. And then I started fishing some Otter Street tournaments and that kind of stuff. And probably it wasn't until 96 I got my uh, first fiberglass boat, the uh, Tracker Targa. And that was a very good boat. I had that boat for 21 years, and I actually got 50 yards of concrete to do my driveway for it. <laughs> so the guy wanted the boat really bad, and I wanted that concrete really bad. So I uh, retired in uh, 17, and I got my new boat, my ZV-21. That was part of my retirement package that I wanted to do. And, and we just started pursuing more of Coos Lures and I actually had to sell my 67 Mustang that I totally rebuilt, put a 351 Windsor in it, and just turned around, made 18 grand on that. I figured I only made 10 bucks an hour restoring it. <laughs> so, but uh, that's there's two money pits. You got cars, you got boats. And I said, oh, I'm sticking with the boat thing. So bye-bye car, I guess. But it was actually my first car I bought as a teenager at 250 bucks. So it had a lot of memories, but it was sad to see it go. But I was pursuing the fishing thing more than else. Sure. A lot of good stories in there. It always blows my mind hearing guys talk about, because I believe, I didn't know Otter Street was like that, but I think I had heard that Merck National was like that, if I'm not mistaken, yes. where you like got, a, got the random draw of a partner at the rules meeting, and then yep. you had to figure out like whose boat you're using, where you're yep. going, where you're fishing, and you don't even know if you like the guy you're going to be with, so... Uh, right. do, you have any, do you have any good, good stories from that of getting paired up and things going haywire? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you don't know the quality of fishermen that you do get. You don't know the type of fishermen you're going to get because, hey, this guy only wants to jig, but I want to troll. So you had to work that out. <laughs> so And then you got, I got a big boat and you got a little boat, so this is not going to be real fun. You know, but that's <laughs> how we kept it to keep it fair so people wouldn't cheat. Well, yeah. Well, look at nowadays. You had those guys putting lead balls in the damn fish stomach. Like, holy jeez! Right. I, I have a conscience. There's no way the hell I could have done something like that. Yeah, that's uh, oh, that's just wild, though. I can't even imagine that going on today. Just getting randomly paired at a rules meeting with all the pre-fishing and strategy and stuff that goes into it, and then to get randomly paired with somebody you have no clue. Uh, like you said, what their talent is, what they like to do, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it, the thing is that when you have money involved with anything, there's always something that's going to try to happen. So, but and, yeah, unfortunately, right? Unfortunately. Yep. So, 
So, so being a local guy growing up around the Winnebago system, um, obviously I'm sure it holds a special place in your heart, but what are some of the other uh, fisheries that are your favorite that you've been, been to across the country? Uh, I, I was very, I'm very fortunate and blessed that I got to go fish with Keith Cavias a lot. Um, that year, three, no, four years ago, he taught me how to shiver over in Devil's Lake. By the end of the week, I thought my arms were going to fall off. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is, that's like casting for a musky, you know, 10,000 casts for one fish. But that, that was so much fun, and I brought it back to uh, me in Wisconsin and the Bay of Green Bay. And, you know, you can catch some big-ass fish shivering like that. It's just quite the technique and how it's all expanded. And now you got this live scope thing. I'm not too much into that because I'm a troller, you know. And but the thing is with the live scope, you gotta have your head in that computer all day watching that stuff. And I'm not that kind of guy, you know. I, if I'm gonna go jig, I just wanna go jig and have fun. But I can see its purpose, uh, especially during ice fishing, where you wanna just drop it down, look around, see if there's any fish around, that kind of stuff. I can see that. But you know, three thousand dollars a lot of money for a piece of equipment, and these guys like got like three, four screens on their boat. Like holy cow! Right. I know I saw a couple boats this spring with like, you know, four 15 inch screens up front. And I'm going, that's crazy. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of seem like, uh, it does seem like some of them guys, they just have their head on a, you know, in a screen or on a computer all day rather than, you know, fishing. Right. And I'm not necessarily liking that as much either. But uh, can't argue with how it's working and how, how guys are finding ways to, yeah. to really attack these lakes and, and big fish so right and i wonder if it's going to be allowable in the future because i'm kind of curious about the sturgeon thing you know they drop it down they see the fish they got down there and all that kind of stuff you know kudos for the guys that want to do that but to me i don't see any sport in that because you see it coming and also you get ready but the problem i don't like is the blind spirit they throw the damn spear down and you kind of guess them and now if you hurt or damage the animal, that's not good either, right? Right, right. So, but... Yeah, that's certainly is going to, I think, continue to raise questions, uh, both spearing, open water, um, right. and all sorts of things. You know, it, we'll have to see what it does to fisheries as we continue to move on here. You know, are, are anglers able to exploit different fish populations or or certain size, you know, of fish, you know, we're just going to have to see it. It's going to be interesting what happens, let's say, in the next five years with it. Yeah. And next year, the state of Wisconsin is going to uh, three-limit walleye across the state. Now, does that include the Bay of Green Bay? I heard no, so I have no idea what's going to happen with that. That's true. I saw that as well, and I also don't know if that includes Green Bay, but that will also be interesting for sure. All right. So I, I know so, you. So Devil's Lake, uh, Devil's Lake, awesome uh, fishery that you've been to. You got any favorite uh, fisheries when it comes to ice fishing? I haven't really traveled. Uh, I've never been to Devil's Lake ice fishing. Uh, I was at the Bay of Green Bay. I like doing the ice fishing up there. I got my first 15 inch perch this winter up there. That was a lot of fun with my son Aaron being with me and videotaping and all that. I actually won a $25 gift card from John Gillespie for that fish. So that was pretty neat. But nice. uh, uh, I do like fishing Winnebago. I know a lot of guys need it because there's so many ways to catch fish. It's so much water. 
you know. Uh, this past weekend, I, I enjoyed doing these kids' uh, outings. Uh, Saturday was Josie's gifts, and all these children, 34 of them, have some type of illness that might be terminal to them. And just to see the smiles on these kids' faces when they catch fish is just awesome. And I'm, my little girl's name is Haley. I met her last year. Her mom comes up, and she says, you're cool, right? I says, yeah. She says, I want to learn how to open water troll. I just had a big smile. I says, that's my forte. I love the troll. So we actually won the tournament with Big Walla and all the fishery cons. So that was pretty cool. So this year she said, I have you again? I said, sure, I'll work it out. So I got the fish with her again on Saturday. And then Sunday we did the Angler's Quest, to Tomorrow's Anglers from uh, Skipper Buds. Deb Krepke from Fondelac Mercury puts that on. So we caught, uh, we had 12 pounds of walleys in Winnebago. It was awesome, you know. So That is awesome. So if you had to recommend one place in the whole world that people have to go fish sometime at some point in their lifetime, where would that be? Yeah, I'd have to say Lake Erie. Uh, next year I'll be there again for six weeks. This year I only did two weeks. Last year I did six weeks. But every time I go to Lake Erie, I always take virgins out there, people that have never been there. And by the time the end of the week, I says, I want to come again next year with you. I says, I'm sorry, but I bring out people that never been here just to get that smile on their face to see how big these fish are and how much fun it is to be out there. People are so nice in Ohio. It's just unbelievable. And the following that I got from out there was just crazy, you know. So, yeah, I can't wait to get back in Lake Erie again. Yeah, I got to take my first ever trip out there um, this past April, and it was a blast. And I yep. can't wait to go. So, yep. so I know you've you've gotten the opportunity throughout the years to fish with tons of different people, you know, between guides and, and professional anglers and, um, you know, all kinds of different people. So who are some of the, the best fishermen that you've ever fished with? Well, I wouldn't say it, like the best fishermen, but I want to say the people that want to learn how to fish. Like I helped out Barb Carey. She does Wisconsin Fish for Women. And we were up there on uh, May, Bay of Green Bay. So we did open water trolling. We caught a couple personal best for these women. We had a couple 27s, 28s. You know, just to see the smile on their faces, like how I do things are just impressive the different ways that I can do it with my boat and the, the equipment I have. And then came on uh, Saturday, a Northeaster came in. I said, we are not going out in that stuff. That is not fun. It's too hard and too bumpy. I said, let's just fish the river. I'll show you some spots how to do this. So Barb does her little spiel, and I says, well, there's one place I want to show you guys that I think will catch her fish. I says, you have to fish the flats in the river. She kind of looks at me and says, what? I said, just follow me. So we took four boats in this flat, which is down by the paper mill in that big area of water, and we trolled back and forth, and every boat caught their limit by 12 o'clock. They could not believe how, how that was so easy. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed fishing with those girls. They, they learned a lot, they told me, and I just enjoyed their company and that. So trying to pass down what I know to other people, that's fun for me. I like doing that. Yeah, it sounds like between the fishing that you do, personally and then everything through coots lures and everything it, it sounds like you get a big kick out of helping other people out and seeing the smile on their face it sounds like that that's one of the key motivators for you in, in all of this yeah and it's like, like 
I try to have a friend net and the guy reeling in the fish, and I do the video. Sometimes you don't see me a lot. I, that's where I get my best bloopers. And that's how I learn how people do different things. I says, that's not the way you got to do it. So I start showing them how to do it. Then they catch on like, oh, yeah, this is a lot easier than the way it was doing it. So and that's why hopefully some of my reels can show that the, the techniques I do. Yeah, for sure. So what is I mean, we, we've kind of talked about it uh, quite a bit here. I, I know what your answer might be, but um, what would you say is like your your favorite fish to catch? Well, it is probably walleye, but I tell you, fishing with Keith Device down in uh, Florida, out in the Gulf, you never know what you catch down there, and it is fun to catch these fish. That one day, I caught 52 amberjack myself, and I had to take uh, a leave, just uh, <laughs> avoid the pain in my wrist from setting the hook and, and just hanging out of these big fish that were biting down there. It's just crazy. Amberjack is very good eating. Um, but every time I go down there, it's always a closed season, but it's all catch and release for us down there. My wife caught her biggest fish, a 250 pound Goliath grouper. Uh, I had a eight foot bull shark this year down there, you know, but we're talking $12 hooks that we're losing on these big fish. We'll have to cut the line. So it's not a cheap fishery down there, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't realize that you'd done some, um, more exotic, like saltwater type fishing then too that's kind of a a wide range and a, a far cry from what it's like on winnebago i suppose oh i know it's just I, did, uh, I think it was like five years ago i did a two-day uh tuna trip out on alabama and we had 11 people on the boat this thing was like a 50 60 footer and we went out 90 miles we're in 5,000 feet of water we're by a floating uh, oil rig the flame was coming out the pipe. We could see all night long because the flame was nice and cool. We caught uh, 23 tunas for 550 pounds, and overall we had like 1,400 pounds of fish for 11 people. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, biggest, yeah, the, big, the biggest tuna was 70 pounds. We caught a jigging. They used six-ounce spoons. You count the 15 Mississippi as you're dropping it down, and all you do is a snap jig drink. Uh, snap it, wind it, snap it. Also, boom! That thing hits your pole, hits the side of the boat, and game on, man! Hang on, <laughs> you better not lose that pole. <laughs> oh, that's wild! That's oh, awesome. Fresh, fresh tuna is awesome. You know, the first one we caught, he cleans it up. He says, "Here, try some." I'm looking at it like, "Well, what the hell? It's it's pickled. It lives in salt water, right?" <laughs> so, and we, <laughs> We had sushi just like that. Then the next one we caught, he puts it on a, a green egg and cooks it with his spices. Oh, my God. It was like eating porterhouse. It was so good. Unbelievable. Wow. So you've obviously caught yeah. quite a few fish. Is there any species of fish that you've never caught that is kind of on your bucket list? Well, I can say a paddlefish for sure. I've oh. always wanted to do that. That's a very interesting-looking fish. You know, they got that out in uh, – the South Dakota area, uh, down Missouri, they got, you know, paddlefish are kind of like southern, but I was surprised they found them up in uh, South Dakota here. But, yeah, I'd like to hook up with someone and do some paddlefish and see how that goes. That is a weird-looking fish, but they are a hell of a fighter, too. And striper's another one. I've never caught a striper. Okay. We actually caught, uh, we actually caught and I took the North Fond du Lac senior kids over to the Mississippi River uh, two, three years ago. We actually caught a paddlefish. 
in the cross on one of the like dam, the floating dam barges you can go fish oh, on. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy, crazy looking fish. <laughs> right. Yep, we are. So, so and also you... I'm involved I'm also involved with the uh, Appleton North High School ice fishing team. So I try to help out as much as I can and a lot of times I'm down south when they're doing stuff and and this the last state tournament they won because I was doing battle on Bago and you know it, it, I love talking to these kids and they're just amazing they just you talk about kids focused sitting on a bucket and it's cold out there and we don't use tents because they told them it's a lot of gear you got to haul out there you're better off on a, a bucket and just start pole hopping fighting fish and these kids are very intense with it we're very proud to see them doing that kind of stuff yeah it's been awesome and and being involved with the high school fishing thing for a long time now and and seeing how it empowers those kids and how intense they can get about uh yep. fishing uh, it's it's yep. great it's great so i got one for you guys why are fish so smart they uh, swim in schools oh, oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right folks that's our show <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one last one if you're going to do that to me. No, no, what no. Is fishing all, what is fishing all about? It's one jerk waiting for another jerk. <laughs> in the nutshell, there it is. <laughs> How many of those do you have in your pocket? A lot. <laughs> you can see me on shows. <laughs> <laughs> I try to have fun with my people, you know, I says, you know, I was in the line of work with, it, it was all seriousness and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen so much crap in my life. I just want to enjoy life, have people, fun with people and, you know, just enjoy the outdoors and that. Yeah. I mean, if you're not having fun, what's even the point then? <laughs> yep. I agree. So when it comes to like the other side of fishing, then, um, more so to speak like the eating side of fishing what what's been your favorite fish to eat if you could just pick one oh god that'd be a toss-up between a, a bluegill or a, a, a fresh redfish out of the gulf i love eating redfish down there really the bluegills are good not i don't even fish bluegills and i love bluegills so. <laughs> Yeah, that one. I got... Go, Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I'm going to call Mr. Bluegill and get, see if I can get some from him. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting. You know, most people would say like perch or even walleye or, or whatever. But yeah, bluegill. Yeah, that's okay. I gotcha. Yeah. And they're a fun fighting fish, too. If you get in, a lot of guys go down to Madison, I heard, to catch these really big bluegills, you know. But this year has been kind of off season, I heard. But, uh, yeah, bluegills are fun. I, I have heard that that area is is good for bluegills down there. I don't have any personal experience with that, but I, I've heard that a time or two. Um, so do you have, yeah. like, a, um, a secret recipe, so to speak, something that you do that, you know, when you're going to be cooking up a, a fish fry that you kind of prefer? Um, I really got turned on to my buddy's recipe for either salmon or walleye, and it's either baking or grilling. You take a cup of mayonnaise and a cup of fresh grated Parmesan cheese, 
to make a paste, and you lay that on top about a quarter inch thick. And then I'm a slap your mama type of guy. I love the Cajun season for slap your mama. It's called a white pepper, and I sprinkle that on top of it. And you talk about being moist. Wow, it just melts in your mouth. You'll have to try that. Colby, is that kind of like so what, that, what you've got? No, that's a little little different. But does that paste? So you're taking that paste and like rubbing it on top of the let's say walleye fillet. Yep, yep. You just uh, lay a quarter inch thick all all the way across across the top of it, and then uh, sometimes I'll. Uh, put it on the grill and put my wood, I got a, a grill slash smoker, and I would have the smoker already smoking it, so it adds a little smoke flavor also to it. Well, that's, that sounds outstanding. I've been grilling a lot of walleye lately, too, and it's really turned into my favorite over, uh, you know, always deep frying them. Um, right. yeah. I'm going to have to definitely try that one out. That sounds good. I love Cajun-type uh, yeah. seasoning, so. Yeah, and it's so easy. <laughs> a cup of that and a cup of that, and you're done. Right, right. That's that's the beauty of it. Super easy too. So, but what's that recipe you you've been telling us about, Colby? The the walleye one that you got. Well, you always put me on the spot, and I can never remember what it is. It's uh, oh man, I might need to save it for a different day. I don't. Need, I can't. Uh, no, like because you think of, yeah, you you make like some it's some walleye, sort of a, like walleye rock uh walleye Rockefeller, I think. Um. I don't even but know. Like I, I don't. I have to look it up. I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't even I know if that's what while. I'm. But I think I'm thinking yeah, of something should... else though. You you've got like some sort of a sauce. Like, do you just mix it with tartar sauce or something? Mm, I'm not even sure what you're talking about, buddy. Oh my gosh, Colby, <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> Did I just dream up a recipe that you created that's not even in existence? You might have. <laughs> well, I can tell you, go to my YouTube channel, Coots Lures, and look under Coots Kitchen. My wife does a hell of a job on walleye cheeks. You know, the freshwater scallops, she sautés them in some, I forgot how she does it, but just watch it. It is phenomenal. When we do this over at Lake Erie, that's the first thing that goes is when she cooks those up. The cheeks are gone automatically. <laughs> Oh yeah, the cheeks are like a delicacy. They are fantastic. I always, I always refer to cheeks as like the chef's bonus, and you know, usually if I'm cooking, the, the cheeks rarely even make it to the the plate for right. everybody else. It's like yep. my bonus for cooking, being the cook. <laughs> and the latest craze is the walleye wings, you know. So I get I get chastised that I didn't cut off the wings of the walleye. So I made some last week for some people. They are fun to eat, but you still got to kind of watch out because you got the skin left on the bottom of it. You just peel the fish, I mean, the, the meat off the bone, and it, it is what it is. There is a lot of meat down there, tell you the truth. There is, for sure. I've been taking them off uh, quite a bit the last few years, too, and they're they're very good. <clears throat> yeah. So. so as we get, uh, I guess, close to wrapping this up, um, What's uh? What are some things that maybe are in store for the the future at Coots Lures? What do you you got some things on the docket coming out here soon or in the next year? Well, you know the biggest thing will be in December when I come out with the new uh, I'll call it, it's called the Rattling Wind Jigger, my new chip up system. So okay. hopefully start going. Uh, the next year will be my twentieth year at Coots Lures, so we're going to be doing a hundred dollar drawing once a month. 
and what what you got to do is uh, it's a Kusler trivia. So we'll put all questions, and if they get the right answer, we'll put them all in a hat, and they draw for a hundred dollars, and maybe some apparel. I'll see how it goes, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just pretty much looking forward to fishing a lot. I got a lot of fishing this week coming, and then uh, next year for Lake Erie, and then uh, told the wife I'd like to take her out to Yellowstone because. There's some big trout in Yellowstone Lake out there. I want to try catching some more of those fish. That was fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> so when you go to Lake Erie for like six weeks, are you guiding or just hanging out, taking friends, uh, different yep. groups that come down? How does that work out? Yeah, I'm not a guide, so it's just all my friends come down there. Uh, we rent a house out, and uh, we uh, all share expenses and all that kind of stuff, so Every day I got something different in the book because they want to see how I do things and all that kind of stuff and give them an experience of how I do stuff. And last year I had the father-son out there, and by the end of the week they were so impressed with the medium light rods they each bought six, and they just loved them this past year in these tournaments in Winnebago. <laughs> so, you know, just things like that. It's just fun to have friends come out there and experience what I do. Sure. That's awesome. Do you stay all six weeks in the same city, or are you kind of bouncing around a little bit? Port Clinton. Port Clinton, okay. Nice. Oh, a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. It looks like a lot of fun, um, exciting stuff ahead. Um, and just keep on living living the dream, taking on all these adventures and having people follow you, follow you along the way. So um, if people haven't gotten a clue from us talking about it yet, um, can you just tell everyone where they can find out more about you, find your products, order your clothes, um, or follow along on all your platforms? Yeah, it's pretty much just all the platforms. You know, you got the TikTok, you got the Facebook, you got Threads, you got Twitter, you got LinkedIn, you got Instagram, uh, and um, uh, yeah, LinkedIn is also. Um, so. Anything pretty much that says Coos Lures, it'll go to my website or those other social media platforms. Uh, I try to help out the mom pop stores as much as I can selling my product to them because to me that is the backbone of some of our fishing industry. If those people don't survive, you know, we're not going to have any small mom pop shops, you know, and it's hard for some of these big box stores to carry everything that's under the sun. Um, I do like meeting the new owners of the stores and show what I got and how I can present it and, and how I can sell it and all that kind of stuff. So, and I like the personality that goes into it. So, but I also do shows for HT. Uh, I do consumer shows and I also do uh, dealer shows with them. Uh, let's see, I think it's mid September. I'll be going up to Canada to do a big show up there. So, but yeah, it's, it's been fun traveling with HT and doing all kinds of stuff. And, it's fun when I can design products that they actually want to sell for me. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you are a super busy guy just all over the place, like we said. Um, and so we, we do really appreciate you um, taking the time to be here with us uh, today. Um, it, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you. I've had a lot of fun here. Um, and, and I, I want to say I really admire the kindness and the generosity that you have displayed, um, you know, both in just in your, in your personal life, fishing, um, and, and through your business. Um, it's a very admirable trait that you have, um, that, that I think, 
is one of the reasons why you've had the following grow the way that it has. And, and some of that success is just because you're a genuine guy who, who really does have other people's best interests in mind. Um, and so I, I really admire that. Well, thank you very much. Now I have a question for you guys. Okay. How or what made you decide to bring me on? <laughs> well, I, get all the... <laughs> I mean, ahead. you know, we've, uh, we've kind of followed along with, um, you know, some of your platforms for a, a, a while now. Um, you know, Colby had, he, he said he met you a couple times, um, you know, and, and so being a local guy and, and just seeing, you know, a lot of the things that you've been involved with, it, it just seemed like it would uh, really be a, a interesting conversation, something we were interested to kind of learn more about you and, you know, the, the business that you have and just talk fishing a little bit. You know, that's what we like to do um, with, with all the guests that we've brought on. We, we just started this um, this year. So, y- you know, it's been kind of growing as we go with it and, and trying to get different guests on and guests from all different walks of life, different aspects of the outdoors. You know, we do a lot of hunting, but it could be deer hunting or turkey hunting or fishing or whatever, you know, um, we just like to get a, a lot of different guests and different personalities on here. And so, um, you know, we, we've right. just been following along with you for a, a while now. And so it, it just seemed like, Hey, maybe we should reach out and, and see if he'd want to do it. And I'm glad that you said yes. Well, I greatly appreciate you guys for doing it because uh, you're scratching my back, and I hope I scratched your back a lot tonight. I hope you learned a lot. Uh, I don't know if I opened any eyes on certain things I've done. Um, it's very cool, and I hope uh, you guys prosper in this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, sounds like Colby got kicked off of the phone call for some reason. He doesn't know what happened, oh, but um, he oh. – he, he texted me. He said he, he wants to make sure that I tell you um, thank you um, from him. Um, he, he had a great time. Um, so he says thank you, um, and I obviously say thank you. Um, it, it, it was a blast. Do you have, before we close up here, not to put you on the spot, do you have one more joke for us? One more joke. Um, okay, that's kind of a dumb one, but it's still related to walleyes. What did the wall I say when he hit the brick wall? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My, my dad jokes for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. This was a blast. Um, and, and to everyone who is, is listening to this, um, we do really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Um, you know, your support for, for us and for Coots Lures, you know, it, we we thrive off of it. it. It means everything to us. We, we really do appreciate it. Um, and we really can't thank you guys enough. So on our end, um, if you guys could subscribe to our YouTube channel, that helps us out a ton and we really, really appreciate it. You can also check us out at buckfeveroutdoors.com. All of our stuff's out there, videos, podcasts, uh, articles, recipes, all kinds of good stuff out there. We have merch out there. Um, so we, we do really appreciate it. And obviously, um, for, for Coots Lures, you know, he's, he's everywhere. I mean, it, literally everywhere. You, you can't miss the guy. Um, so make sure you, you go out and show him some support because it, I know it, it means the world to him just like it does to us. So, um, 
once again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, we really do appreciate it. And maybe we'll get to do this again sometime. I, I know I would love that. Um, so, yeah, thanks a lot. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. All right, guys, thanks for watching. We will see you guys next time.